Hi, and welcome to The Unveiling. I'm Tim, one of the hosts, and along with Anjay and Mark, we are three guys discussing the one true gospel. We hope you're encouraged by this episode. Let's dive right in. Welcome back to The Unveiling. This is episode 41, and today we will be discussing stewardship and tithing in the light of grace in the new covenant. I'm Tim, and with me today is Mark. Ajay couldn't be here as he's traveling. So, Mark, good to be together again. How are you? I'm good, Tim. How you doing? I am blessed and highly favored. You are. We know, <laughs> we know that from about 150 scriptures. So, yeah, right? <laughs> and, and, and experience. Exactly. And experience is the better teacher, I got to tell you. <laughs> you know, Mark, we're talking about a touchy subject today, and I have to make, uh, I have to be perfectly clear about this. Once upon a time, in one of the churches I had attended for quite some time, I was very involved in leadership uh, on boards and running a youth group and this, that, and the other. I was also considered the stewardship pastor. Now, back then, I taught I taught stewardship and tithing, and I taught from a much more Old Testament view, a much more law-filled view than I have come to know it today. I don't know if that's been your experience in churches in the past. Really my only experience. <laughs> you know, I've been, and that's not to say that's because I don't have a lot of experience. I do, having been in ministry for the last 31 years. Um, to be fair, though, just to add one little point, Tim, is we don't mean to be um, judgmental of any pastors or preachers or leaders of the stewardship ministry. Um, I can tell you from having worked with dozens of pastors in my life that they dread when the upcoming series on giving has to be done. They don't want to do it, you know. <laughs> I honestly believe that's how I ended up with the honorary title stewardship yeah. pastor because he didn't want to do it. Gee, thanks for the honor. <laughs> <laughs> but it is so. a it is a touchy and it's a very important topic for the church because and I'm sure we're going to touch on this more later. Churches aren't free. And I'll just leave it at that for now and and, and kind of keep moving. Nothing's free. <laughs> but as a stewardship pastor, you know, there are a couple of what I would call standard sermons and I think one of the ones that leapt to my mind when we talked about doing this topic was uh, Malachi 3. And let me ask you a question. Uh, have you ever heard another teaching out of Malachi that wasn't centered on stewardship? I don't believe so. Right? I don't believe so. But this is an oldie but a goodie. And if you give me a minute, let me just kind of read through this real quick and then we can talk about it. Um, Malachi 3, starting in verse 6, says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. You know what? I'm going to stop there already because I want to point something out. This is part of the law. And who is the law for? It was for the Jews. The law was never meant for the Gentiles. That's a good point. I think that's a kind of important point. I would say so. Um, it was never meant for people like you and me who aren't Jewish. Mm -hmm. So we were never technically under the law. Sure. It seems like the church wants to keep trying to slip us back in there, yeah. though. <laughs> well, technically speaking, I mean, you're absolutely right there. But technically speaking, the law was never meant for the Jews either. It was it was a transitory ministry to bring us everybody to Christ. So there's an aspect in that. The, well, we've talked about the purpose of the law 
was not to, as you so well put it, not to show us how to do it right, but that we can't do it right because of our sin nature and that we need desperately need a savior. Absolutely. But I've been digressing. I really want to stick to the sure. verses here. I apologize <laughs> for the bunny We're a little trail. known for our digression, aren't we? <laughs> right? So, um, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Well, this is the beginning of a conversation because there's a couple back and forth between God and, you know, whoever he's specifically speaking with, but to the Jews more or less, that says, but you ask, how are we to return? And God responds, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines of your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for years and for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So there's a lot to unpack sure. there. Are you robbing God, Mark? That's very, no guilt there. <laughs> <laughs> right? It, it comes right out of the gate. Yeah, there, there is a lot there. One of the things that's very apparent as you read through all those, it's if you do this, then I will do that. Well, isn't that kind of the essence of the law? It's if, That's the very definition of it. Do this behavior or this happens, or don't do this behavior or this happens? Absolutely. And the, and not, I was going to say the problem with that, but it's not a problem. That was the problem. Thank God, thank, thank the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are not under that type of a system anymore. And, and at the core of why pastors, I think, bring up so many different scriptures uh, is to get an angle on motivating us to give. How, however, in the entire Christian life, there is only one motivation, and that is the love and favor of God that is perfectly displayed, displayed in the cross. In Romans 8, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If God has given his own son the most costly, precious thing he had, money and food and houses, those are small things. We're his children now. You know, we can't do to get more from him. He's our father. You know, if you're a good boy, is your dad going to love you more, Tim? Or, or am I going to love my son more if he, if he gives me 10% of his allowance, you know, or gives it to people, other people to help them? The, the only motivation is the Holy Spirit transforming us in our hearts by contemplating all that Christ has done for us. And I just love to hear a pastor say that. <laughs> yep, I agree with that. But And I will say this, too, because it says here that, uh, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings. I thought when we got saved, we were given everything in Christ, all the blessings. Yep. The curse was removed, and we have 
All the blessings. The Apostle Paul said we have the riches of a glorious inheritance. You know, we don't need someone to, you know, well, first of all, we're not worried that if I give God's, I'm not going to have enough. I need some guarantee that I give. We talked about this in one of our debunking Christian myth points about give to get, like God is some type of uh, investment counselor that I'm doing an IRA with him, you know, that he's going to give me a good return on my money. It just really is law mentality at its very core. Well, you know, speaking of that one, the 401k mentality is that was another thing we taught a lot was you can't outgive God. You Whatever you give him, he's going to return to you seven, ten, a hundred fold, right? Yeah. But the thing is that they forget to mention is God already gave it to you. Exactly. <laughs> Before you could give him anything other than your faith. Yeah. Yeah, no, another another way we were teaching, which in the light of grace, I feel, is was incorrect. So yeah. there were a lot of things we taught, which I wish I could go back and, and kind of alter. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what the key was, though? Intentions were good. You know, pastors want to see their churches financially healthy and have the resources to pay staff a living that they can live on and and maybe reach out with missions and reach out into their compu- community. And what it all comes down to, as we already talked about, it takes money to do anything. But what is a greater cause than giving everything we own, we got from God and, and belongs to him really in a spiritual sense? But what could we better do with that then help other people by bringing them the one true gospel and by supplying their needs. Why, you know, that's just being honest about it, you know? Well, there's a verse that says, true religion before the Father is this, that you love one another and help the widows and orphans in their need. That's, we're talking about giving there. It's, giving is still a New Testament thing. We're just sure. not, you know, we're not talking about set amounts and, and we're not talking specifically cash always either. You know, the early law... The tithe was not all about cash. It was about food and spices and grain, grain offerings. And yeah, it was about supporting the Levites. Their only job was to serve God in the temple and things like that. So they didn't have a way of of making income for themselves. So this was how they got by, right? I agree. And the thing that's different from the new covenant than the old, in the new covenant, it's not about meeting some law. It's about generosity, because under the old covenant, you could give your tithe and not ha- not be a generous person. You know, it's about the heart. It's a change in the heart. And you're not going to get that from old covenant law, someone guilting you into giving your 10 percent. Um, uh, let me read this scripture, Tim, because this is really kind of the Apostle Paul's response to that Old Testament um, teaching Old Covenant teaching on giving. And um, this is Galatians 5.3, or yeah, 5.3. First, he starts out by saying, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. He says, again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Now, this isn't just specifically about circumcision. It's about the law. You can substitute tithing in there. If you want to tithe according to the law, 
you are obligated now to fulfill the entire law. And even in your tithing, there are dozens of rules on how you tithe. It's just not, (laughs) it does not, what's the word, foment generosity in our hearts. That comes through our relationship with Christ and his spirit and the fruits of his spirit in us. Well, it's funny you you mentioned some of this, and it brings to my mind the fact that uh, I've I've actually gotten an objection when I have said that the tithe was part of the law. I've I've had people tell me that the tithe is actually not part of the law; it's outside the law and is a command from God straight to us. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, well, if I go to Matthew twenty three verse twenty three. It says, uh, "These are this is Jesus speaking." Okay, right. so woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law: justice, mercy, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So he's literally talking about you give a tenth of that's the tithe, but you should have. Uh, you should have you've you've neglected more important matters of the law. So that tells me, tithing is a part of the law. It's not oh, a special thing on its own. Uh, I think it clearly ties those two together. And and it also brings out another mistake people make, and that's to think that if it's in the New Testament, it's new covenant. Yeah. The new covenant did not start until the cross. In fact, Scripture tells us that Jesus himself told the Pharisees, the top law keepers in the land, that, hey, you know what? You got me wrong. I didn't come here to get rid of the law. I came to fulfill it. And the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 says that Christ fully met the righteous requirement of the law on our behalf. Okay, so Christ, when he walked through his life, He couldn't speak against tithing or even a one letter, one pen stroke of the law because he was fulfilling it for us morally, ceremonially, and sacrificially, perfectly fulfilling it on our behalf, which are three beautiful words when you think about them. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, the on my behalf part. I love that. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So to say that, oh, well, Jesus taught tithing. No, he didn't. He was perfectly fulfilling the righteous requirement of the law. Once he went to the cross, now it became the fruits of the Spirit, love and generosity, and being a cheerful giver. How are you going to be a cheerful giver if someone is going to be guilting you and pressuring you to give your 10% in the next six-week series on giving? That's impossible. You know, how cheerful could I be if uh, my job told me, you know, you have to work 44 hours a week, but we're only going to pay you for 40. Those extra 10 are just a requirement you have to commit. I'm not going to be a happy camper on those four hours a week. I'm going to be, I'm doing it out of obligation and duty and I'm disgruntled. That's not how God wants it. Like you you said, and I'm sure we'll touch on this as we talk about the new covenant aspect and, and some of the things Paul has to say. He wants us. It's about our attitude in giving. It's about... I attribute a lot of what God says about how we should be dealing with things to our motivation. What's motivating us to do this? Sure. If my eyes are on Jesus and I'm trying to do things out of—I'm not trying, and I'm doing things out of love for Jesus, I'm doing it cheerfully. I'm doing it 
with the best of intentions and happily. And you're doing it out of the transformation that the Lord, who is the Spirit, is accomplishing in you. Yeah, I'm not thinking this is what I need to do. I'm going, oh, here's an opportunity for me to share God's love to, or to support something that I think, you know, that I, I know su- shares Jesus and the gospel. These are things I happily support. And the old covenant law has never been good at creating love in our hearts, <laughs> just the opposite. But the new covenant does. It gives us the heart of Christ and the mind of Christ. And here's the rest of the scripture here from Paul. He said, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Um, I'm not going to keep going. I'm just going to summarize that, that Paul is encouraging us to give generously because we have a generous God who we trust to take care of us. What did he say there at the end? He said, um, and God is able to bless you abundantly. When we realize that not only is God able, but his promises to provide for us and that he loves us, that his favor rests on us, then we have the confidence to give, not to get, but because we know that we have a father who takes care of us. We don't have to be fearful about being generous. So to finish my conclusion there is Paul is encouraging us there to give generously because we have a generous God, not to give generously so that God will be generous with us. He already is. He's already given us everything. That's our motivation. Yeah, and before we get off the topic of how we how we may have heard this taught or how some of us may or may not have actually taught, um, you know, there's a couple of other things that leap to mind, like the widow with her copper. You know, the, the Jesus is watching people give alms to the church of the day, and the, the people who were wealthy were giving a lot of money, but this little widow comes up and drops a copper in the pot, and he tells the disciples she gave more than anyone else did because she gave out of her lack while they were giving out of their excess. You know, so gi- give until it hurts was the old, you know, line. You know, sacrificial giving was something that they pushed. Yeah, and they'll quote King David when, oh, who did he meet after winning a battle? It was the, the local king, I think, wasn't it? And yeah, the This lo- was Abraham. Was it Abraham? Okay. Yeah, it was Abraham coming back from a battle where he stopped to give, yeah. Yep. And, and he said, I will give nothing that doesn't cost me something. Just back into that mentality of give until it hurts. Any other of those messages leap to mind that you want to debunk with the rest? <laughs> Well, I think anybody who's been in church or even watches TV knows exactly what we're talking about. And we're not against giving. And we're, you know, as we already said, there's nothing better you can do with your money than to spread the one true gospel through giving to the church and to uh, also to feed people and clothe them. I mean, We already know that. So instead of appealing to our baser natures by telling us, oh, if you give, God will give you tenfold back as though it's an investment plan, or instead of guilting us, I I really truly believe this, that a church that is completely focused on Christ and him crucified is going to be a generous church. 
because it's just the fruit of what is preached, you know. And if you're preaching law consistently, Jesus plus this, Jesus plus tithing, Jesus plus read so much scriptures, Jesus plus serve this much, that's got its own fruit. That doesn't create generosity and love for others. Um, But when you're preaching that precious one true gospel, the message of God's grace and the cross, that brings transformation into our lives and gives you a church that doesn't need to be guilted or prodded or strategized or even to have a a leader of stewardship for the church. Because look at the first church. What does it say? It says nobody had too much, nobody had too little, and nobody claimed that anything that they had was their own. They shared everything. And Paul wasn't giving a five-part series on why you need to tithe. You know, and like, again, no matter how we say this, we come out sounding bad. We are very sympathetic and empathetic with pastors. But at some point, it always comes down to this, trusting the gospel. Is the gospel enough? Or do we have to keep adding the law to get people to do the right thing? It is enough. The Apostle Paul said he was not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. And I'm going to re- I'm going to reinforce some of that with Paul. Uh, f- or um, well, I'll just say it's from Acts 17, uh, 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. He's not, uh, you know, when we talk about giving, it's not we're giving to, we are giving from God, not to God. God doesn't need anything from us. He has everything. He made everything. Yeah. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. So, I mean, it's giving after Christ came didn't become supporting the Levites. It became, you know, supporting God's, God's will by following our love and compassion and things like that. Yeah, that's a good point. And as, as our uh, compadre Ajay always says, I will hearken back to what he always says, is that uh, by the old covenant, the most we're ever going to be is a servant. By the new covenant, the least we're ever going to be is a child, a son and a daughter, and an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ. That is where love and generosity comes. We cannot serve God. We can only serve people. Because as you just read, the Apostle Paul says, human hands can't serve God. What does he need? Everything is his already. And that goes with money. You know, it all belongs, in a true way, it all already belongs to him. And he's generously lavished us with it, you know. And, you know, so that's that's another, it reminds me of the parable of, of the servant that owed a lot. Yeah. And the uh, master forgave him. Then he went out and started choking some guy that owed him like five bucks or something. And, you know, it's like. We learn God. God gives us an example of His generosity, and obviously, He gave us Christ. You know, our hearts should naturally want to be generous, but not naturally. It's a way supernaturally because we've been given the Spirit. So, mm-hmm. but yep. I, I just keep coming back in my spirit. I'm troubled. I just don't want any pastors listening to this to feel you know like we're somehow coming down on you. Our only encouragement would be is to trust the gospel. 
when you preach on giving and try to equip and teach your congregation on giving, do it in light of the one true gospel, the message of God's grace found in the cross of Jesus Christ. Trust that. That's all I would say to you. We understand the pressure you're under and, you know, you, your very job could hang on how much people give, you know. So I know you're between a rock and a hard place, but uh, I would just say Jesus is the rock. So trust in that. Amen. And yeah, no no specifics, no individuals, nothing like that. We're talking about the message itself. And we know that this has been taught forever in the church to our pastors. And of course, right. they're going to pass that along. So um, we have no malice aforethought for anybody who no. has found themselves in this position. And I'm sure there are classes in seminary that teach teach you how to teach your congregations to give, right? I would, I would assume. I don't know for sure, but that seems like a pretty big subject matter. <laughs> I have my degree in uh, biblical studies and church management. And uh, yeah, there's it comes up. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, they, a lot of them seem to have the same verbiage and script. So, Well, there are a limited number of schools, so I have to assume there are a limited number of teachings mm-hmm. for them to hear. And they all, they all use the yeah. same ones. So back to... Um, the new covenant giving. I mentioned the widow's offering, and I would say for a, a biblical response to that in 1 Corinthians 8, starting at verse 12, says, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal again is equality. So that's what you were saying about the early church. They live, you know, I'm gonna, I'm sure I'm going to hear somebody say, oh, they're, they were a commune, <laughs> bunch of hippies. But that's what bit what it was like. I'll, I'll admit that, but it's not what it was. It was generosity. It wasn't a, a government. Yep. Know. So... Did you have you run across any other objections to people not teaching a New Testament tithe besides the not besides not the biblical ones but stuff you're hearing from people who are trying to figure out how to teach the tithing and stewardship and make that light. fit with the new covenant exactly yeah i would just say no there are i haven't heard others because you can't it's pretty much an impossible task without completely mangling the gospel to try to, you know, come up with some more palatable, you used the word earlier, motivation, you know, they're trying to motivate us to give. And they use many different tactics, for lack of a less harsh word. But, you know, I would say this too. And and as I mentioned before, the preaching of the gospel, the one true gospel of God's grace in the cross has its own fruit. Teaching of the law and mixing that in there has its own fruit. And as I mentioned to pastors before, um, is they need to trust the gospel. And I would say for all of us out there that just go to church, that we also would have an understanding that, hey, it takes money for us to have a church to bring the gospel to the nations. 
and to help people and and serve people and, and meet people's needs that can't meet themselves. Oh, one little thought I want to add to your story of the widow. Jesus didn't say that woman was greater than the rich people. It was her faith that he was pointing out, that she had such ultimate trust and faith in God that she was able to give a tithe. And it was worth more because the rich guy, you know, he's talking about faith there, not about giving. And he didn't set a rule that, hey, widows and people have to give 10% too. And when you think about it, there are people that are living below the poverty level. And for them to give 10% of their income could absolutely put them on the streets, you know, where the rich person who gives 10 isn't hurt. So just because they all give 10 doesn't mean it's equal. Right. No, agreed on that. Agreed on that. So let's make sure we've covered this then. How does the New Testament and New Covenant cover giving today? And we've mentioned a couple of verses already that talk a little bit to it. Uh, I'm going to bring up another Paul uh, from 2 Corinthians 8. It says, um, he was talking to one of the specific churches. He says, but, you, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. But notice, he's not talking about tithing. He's not, it just, it's, you're not compelled to do it. There's no set amounts and there's no punishment or curse or extra blessings that you'll get from it. He just wants you to be open to the Lord and have that come out of you. And of course, that comes back to the cheerful giver verse because, you know, I've, I've been to places where uh, a church is doing, in my mind, such a great ministry and my heart swells up within me and you know, if I only, if I had to give 10%, that might be all they got. But every once in a while, I'll find myself going, you know, I can afford this much this time. I'll go without a few things that, you know, aren't, aren't necessarily needs, but I'll do without a couple other things. That's And just give it to them because I know what they're doing and I agree with it and I want to come up beside them. A missionary comes. I know that I gave my I gave my offering to the church, but okay, here's some for you guys because I know what you're doing, you know? Right, right. That's a good point. What were those other um, things that he was praising them for? Uh, he said, um, you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, and in the love we have kindled in you. I love that. How did they kindle the love in them? By preaching them the pure gospel. Exactly. By, by uh, impacting them with the truth of God's love and how much he's done for them on the cross and that all he has is ours. What did the, what did the, in the story of the prodigal son, I love when the eldest son gets jealous that the father had shown grace to the returning prodigal. Mm -hmm. And the father said to him, don't you know you're always with me and all I have is yours. If we know that, that's going to create those things Paul just listed, faith and earnestness and, and love kindled in us. So to me, it's about understanding of the gospel and being transformed by his spirit. And we give out of that, not yep. by some equation. And I want to add a little caveat here that just occurred to me. 
We're not telling anybody what to do out there. If you, being a Christian, want to give 10% as an act of worship to God, you are free to do that. There's no condemnation. But if you're trying to make that a part of the gospel or look down on people that aren't doing that or think you're going to receive more blessing from God or favor and acceptance than someone who's not tithing, now you're moving into an area of what I would call getting close to sin. And that's that's old covenant thinking. You're, you're free to do anything in the old covenant if you want. It's your act of worship, just as long as you're not trying to earn, deserve, or merit anything. You know, like it says in the beginning of that verse in Second Corinthians 9, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Right. In other words, don't give 10% if that's not what you want to do. But in your heart, you decide, and this is your offering, and you're going to do it cheerfully, and you're going to do it with love, and you're sure. going to do it in grace. It's, that's how we give in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. When we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus— we don't need a bare minimum for any any fruit of the Spirit. It's going to flow out of us like, like living water. But that's kind of a, a pretty good size, um, what's the word, condition for lack. That's a really bad word. But, you know, if we don't keep our eyes on Jesus and we make Christianity a religion and a bunch of rules, we're not going to be generous people. We're going to need to have the rules, but we're going to fail by them over and over. So choose freedom in Christ, his spirit in you, giving you the fruits of the spirit, which love and generosity are among them. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I know we didn't want to bear down on anything, anything particular because we didn't want to try and target anybody. And I don't know that we can top what we've just said about how, you know, giving should be now, unless you have something else you want to add, Mark. And, and we, if you do, let's go ahead and talk about it. And if not, let's give a wrap up, start doing a wrap. One little final thought here that just occurred to me. We've all heard about the prosperity gospel, oh, which yeah. really centers on that you give to get. Okay. Send in a hundred dollars now and Test me and the Lord that you will get tenfold back. The problem with the prosperity gospel, gospel is it's just another form of legalism. We don't need the prosperity gospel. We already have prosperity in God who provides for us. So prosperity gospel kind of tries to wrap itself in faith, you know, but at its core, it's just another form of legalism. You need to have enough faith to give enough so that God can bless you. What do you mean so that he can? He's already blessed us with everything in Christ. Yep, absolutely. I can't agree with that more. Um, so, Mark, let's uh, let's start wrapping this up. I'm going to give you the opportunity to, to summarize. Sure. Well, I've already said this, but I can't reiterate it more that I'll just say there's a problem. Something is broke. And the gospel is what fixes it. And just once again to pastors, I'd encourage you to trust the gospel to have the power for people to become generous. They need the power of the gospel to be transformed into the image of Christ. And I'd also make a plea to the people that are sitting under the pastors, um, just keep your eyes focused on Christ and let the Spirit lead you in your giving. And also just realize that your pastor's under incredible pressure to make ends meet, to be able to pay his staff and 
and keep the heating and air conditioning on and everything else that we all deal with in our everyday lives. And I'd like to say that God is not looking for you to give out of your lack. If you're, there are people out there struggling, and if you're one of them and you're trying to decide between rent and food or food and medicine, God is not expecting you to give your 10%. He, in fact, because it's a, the tithe isn't the law anymore, he's not expecting you to give 10% at any time. He says, Purp, what you purpose in your heart. So if you're sitting there and you hear a great message and you're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to make this month's rent, but somehow I want to bless them. And, and you reach into your wallet and realize you've got a dollar or two and you put it in the plate because that's what you purpose to do. You, you have all of God's blessings, but you're going to find, I believe, that those blessings, some of them become more apparent at other times than, than at other times. So I, he, God's not looking to take money out of your pocket. He doesn't need your money. You know, if you need to eat or if you need uh, drugs to keep yourself alive, not not the other kind. <laughs> and I, I will say this too, just as a disclaimer, we are not asking you for anything. Don't send us money. If we get money from somebody, Mark and Ajay are really likely to go spend it on Bulls tickets. <laughs> <laughs> not Ajay. It would be Dallas Mavericks for him. Ah, okay. There you go. But uh, yeah, this isn't us giving our, why don't you give to us message? That's not what we're about today. No, we've never received one donation, nor do we even ask for it. Nope, the Lord is blessing us in his ways for what we're doing, and we're happy with that. And that brings us to the end of our our hour. So that's going to be it for us today. I've got a question for you, our listeners. Have you heard of any other teachings about why the tithe is still ongoing? Or do you have any questions about how we presented the how we feel giving is represented in the new in the gospel of grace? Feel free to contact us, leave a message, either email or on our Facebook page, or you can even leave us a voicemail. That mess, that information will be coming right up. And we look forward to sharing with you again the next time. Tim again. Thanks for listening today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, we encourage you to subscribe and share our podcast with your friends and family. Our entire catalog of episodes can be found on our website at www.theunveiledgospel.com or you can listen and subscribe on most popular podcast apps. If you have any feedback or questions, you can send us an email to theunveiledgospel at yahoo.com. You can reach out to us on our Facebook page, The Unveiling Podcast, or you can leave a question or comment on our listener line at 352-398-0089. Maybe you'll hear yourself on a future episode. That's it for today. As always, God bless, and we will talk to you the next time.